talking about returning to the Lord, and we spent some time just talking about that, that return. And now we're talking about what happens when you return. What do you find when you return? How, how cool is that, right? So it's not just about helping people know that you know, they, they need the Lord, because we we got to come to that first, that coming to our senses that David just read this, the passage. He came to his senses, and he realized, I've blown it. I've messed up, and I need I need my father. I need my father. And, and so that part is critical, that we get to that point where we realize that we're separated from God. But, but once you come back, you know, once you, uh, like the passage says in Acts, repent. You change the way you're thinking. You change the way you, you, you approach life. You change the, your attitude. You change everything about you. You know, you, you stop doing it your way and you say, God, I'm, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to repent from that direction and I'm going to follow you, Lord. And you turn to God, which is what the scripture says, and he wipes away your sins. I mean, what a, what a time of refreshing that is, right? That God wipes away your sin. I don't know about you but my sins are many. You know, when I stand before God, when I like consider his holiness and my like rags and wretchedness, I'm a mess, right? I mean, my emotions are everywhere. My feelings are all over the place. You know, God talks about loving people with your heart. (laughs) That's not easy to do. You know, I might refrain from like swinging, but I, you know, the heart is so hard to get under control. And God knows the heart. He knows all the, the evil in the heart and all the thoughts that we have in the heart. And so when he wipes away our sin, even the sin of our heart, and we experience this time of refreshing, you know, that God just washes over us and we get that grace. We understand that grace covers all of our sin. How awesome is that? But, you know, returning is hard. It's hard to return because you got to come to a point where you first really realize that I'm lost. And not everybody wants to admit I'm lost. You know, not everybody wants to come to that point where they have to admit I don't know it all. You know, I, I, I am not the master of my future. I don't hold the keys to eternity. I can't get myself anywhere, really. I mean, that's a hard spot to get to where you realize I really need God because I am just a human being. I can't get myself anywhere. I can't even get myself a job sometimes, you know. I need God even for the littlest things in my life, even for the next breath, I need God. You know, and you realize that and you realize how big he is and how little we are and how great he is. And uh, once you do that, though, once you return, it's awesome. You know, because when you, you know, Jesus draws us to himself. That's the only way anyone comes to Christ is by God drawing them. He uses us to help in the process, but he's the one that has to draw a heart, right, to himself. Right, and that's what happens when he draws you to him. What you find when you go to him, when you return to the Lord, is just amazing. The treasures are out of this world. They're not things that we can count on our hands or our bank accounts or, or anything else, you know. We, we don't have enough property to hold all the treasures that God has for us. In fact, our property means nothing compared to the treasures we have when we return to the Lord and all that he has for us, you know. So when a person returns, they find so much. But the most important thing they find, we talked about this, is they find the father of love. They find a father who loves them. And, and uh, 
it is totally appointed that we talk about this again today as we close this kind of passage that we're talking about Luke 15. Steve talked about it, and, and uh, uh, David over here, he read the passage, and, and so we're going to just finish up on this Luke 15. If you got your Bibles, go there, because that's where we're going to be. Um, but today, you know, when you return to the Lord, what you find is the, the love of the Father, but, but what you also find when you return is acceptance. Today we find acceptance, not just a father who loves you, because God is love. He loves all of us equally. He doesn't like you more than you or you more than me. He doesn't like a saved person more than a sinner. He loves us all. Right? His grace covers anyone who will come to him. He loves us all. But we, what we find when we return is this acceptance. And that's, that's a little different from uh, finding the love of the Father, because that's just a, a welcome. But what we find when we come in is this acceptance by Him, that He accepts us, like you, right? Who you are, your name, your hangups, your 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 weaknesses and your strengths, all the, everything about you. He accepts you as you are. That's that's huge, isn't it? I mean, because most of us, you know, feel like, you know, we don't quite live up. We don't quite, you know, hit the bar. You know, we don't quite, you know, have what it takes to be accepted by God. But this passage teaches us something different. Acceptance. What exactly is acceptance? Check out this slide. This is what acceptance is. It's the quality, if you can read it, the quality or state. Yeah, I guess it's a little bigger behind me. The quality or state of being accepted or acceptable, right? It's that God, God, he sees us, right? He sees us in our, sin, in our sin and he cleanses us and now we're acceptable, right? He accepts us, you know, with the combination of his grace on us and we're accepted as we are in him, as we come to him. And, and the coolest thing about this is that in law, it's a green either expressly or by conduct to the act or an offer of another. And so we're in the process of buying a house and so, you know, you, you, you guys have gone through this. We have not too much. And so you put in an offer and you hope they accept it, right? They don't have to. They, you know, they're going to negotiate, right? There's going to be negotiations going on. And you're going to bite the bullet. But not with God. It isn't like that. With God, it's, he accepts you. He just accepts us, right? He accepts us as we are. The act of accepting or receiving what is offered. And that's what's so cool about acceptance and well, in light of the son who came home, right? He comes home and his father just accepts him. He doesn't like look down on him. He doesn't judge him. He doesn't have the, 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 the hour lecture with him. He simply just accepts him as he's coming up the road and he like Steve said, he runs to him, he does the 100-yard sprint, and he hugs him, and he kisses him, and he shows that acceptance right from the get-go. Well, there's two things about this finding acceptance that I want to share with you from Luke, okay? And the first thing is this, as we dig into this story, because we've talked about a couple different things uh, in Luke 15, but, but this one is, 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 is kind of how the story ends in a way, and it's not a pretty ending, but the Two things you find about acceptance. One is this, is that not everyone will be willing to accept you when you return. <laughs> Just because you come back doesn't mean everyone's going to be happy about that. Right? It's true. I mean, when, when I 
moved to Colorado, gave my life to Christ, gave my life to my wife, um, married my wife, and, gave, and, be, and decided we were going to Bible college when the Lord slowly like, opened one door after another. Uh, my family did not think that was like cool. They were not, they did not know anything about it. You know, they, we weren't like Jesus people at all. We were like good, good church going people, but that's about as far as that went. And so you're going where? You're going to do what? Like, is that even a real job? You know, not everyone's going to be happy when you make a decision for Jesus. Right? When you come back to him, when you return, not everyone will be thrilled. Some will be overjoyed, but not everyone, okay? So, so that's something we just get in our heads, because here's what happens in the story. The son returns, right? He comes back after his mess up, and he's humbled, and he's full of shame. And he, what's he do? He offers back to his father all that he has. And that's not much. The money's gone, right? Confidence is gone. He's full of shame. He has, he, has truly, he has truly been beaten down by a rough, rough world. And he comes crawling back and he offers to the Father all that he has, which isn't much. And the Father, the Father loves him. And the Father is filled with compassion for him. And that's why we read in verse 24, it says, For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And so they began to celebrate. Wow, the Father just hits it right on the head, right off the bat. No messing around, right? You come crawling back. You, you understand that you've messed up, that you have a need for God. You return to him. And what do you find? You find a Father who says, I love you. And his heart is full of compassion for him. And they begin to celebrate. And we're going to party. We're going to party hard. Right? We're going to party like there's no tomorrow. Right? Someone just gave their life to Jesus. We're going to party, right? That should be the attitude. That's exciting. There's nothing greater on the planet. Right? Than that. Than that decision to come back. And this kid comes to his senses. And he comes back to his father crawling as it is. And so they begin to celebrate. And, and that's the most important thing that we get out of this or should remember about this whole story before we move on a little further where it gets a little ugly is this, is that he is met with acceptance from the one who matters the most. That's important to remember. That you are accepted by the one who matters the most. Other people may not. Other people may not accept you or, or appreciate you or anything about you, but you matter to God, and he accepts you. You know, all your quirks and everything, you know, all the craziness about you. God just accepts you. He loves you. He's filled with compassion. He's met by this father of acceptance, and there's the dad. That's our God, and he loves and accepts you. But, you know, we talked about but God, right, the good but gods, and there's also in the scriptures, as you read, there's the not so good but, buts, buts. Okay, and this is, a, this is not a good but here. Uh, so look at verse 25. Here's what it says. Verse 25. Meanwhile, or you could say but there. The older son was in the field, and when he came near to the house, he heard the music and the dancing, and so he called one of the servants, and he asked him what was going on. He says, your brother has come home, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. 
So the brother, what's he do? He inquires, what's going on? I'm out in the fields. I'm working. I don't know where my brother is, but I'm slaving away out here in the heat of the day. And I hear all this commotion going on. It's like there's a party going on at the house. You know, they're clearing out the barn for a big celebration. And he has at this moment, as he inquires of another servant, he has at this moment the opportunity to understand what's going on and then to be excited for his brother. You know, he's got that moment right there, right? Remember the first, the lost son, he had a defining moment when he was feeding the pigs and wanting to eat what they ate. And there was a moment where he said, look, am I going to just keep being stubborn and just keep going on with this thinking I know what I'm doing? Or am I going to just come to my senses and admit the fact that I need my God? I need my dad. I need, I need, I can't do this alone. And he had a defining moment, and now the bigger brother, he's having a defining moment too. What will he do, right? And I don't know about you, but I know in life we have these defining moments like all the time. I mean, really, they're big moments all the time where we can make a decision that will affect the rest of our life if we make the wrong one. Right? I mean, we could do that. We could make a choice today, maybe sometime during the course of this day. We might make a decision that might alter the rest of our life. It could even kill us. You know, you're driving a car around 90 miles an hour. You you can make a bad choice in that moment. We have defining moments all the time that define our future, define what's going to happen to us, or or define how we're going to approach something, or how we're going to work through something, or how we're going to battle through it. And he has this defining moment, just like we do. What will he do? Verse 28, look at it. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So he gets mad. This this boy of yours goes running around, and now he's back, and they're having a party for him. He's ticked off at that. How many of you have gotten mad at something like this? I mean, don't raise your hand. You get mad and maybe, you know, because God accepts someone or, or somewhere in the family, somebody got accepted for something they did and you didn't think they deserved to be accepted, your brother, your sister, somebody. Yeah, you grow up with eight kids, that happens a lot. You know, eight other siblings, that happens a whole lot. Like, it's easy to get angry and that's what happened. He becomes angry, verse 28b, so, so his father... He goes out. Remember, he first he runs out to meet his son who's lost and now is found. Now he, he goes out and he pleads with his, this other brother. I mean, this dad, right, the father has a whole new fire to put out, right? And maybe he expected that. Maybe he didn't. Now we don't know, you know. Maybe he dreamed of the day that his son might come home, that he might make his way home, that he didn't get just some messenger saying he was dead or a messenger saying he was like over, overdosed somewhere, laying in an alley. You know, that, those words could have come too. But what he gets is this son crawling back home in rags and on his last like breath. And, and so he gets that and he probably maybe envisioned what he might do when that happened, how he might react. I don't know, but he probably never thought that the brother would do this. Like you would think that everyone would be happy that, the, that your lost brother is lost and now he's found, he was dead and now he's alive. But that's not so. Not everyone's going to be happy when you make decisions in life. When you, you make a decision for Christ, when you say, hey, I want to go to Haiti, you're going to have people looking at you and your family that are going to go, 
You're going where? Why would you go there? They don't understand. See, they don't, they don't have that spiritual mind. They don't understand why you would go to Haiti. They don't know why you'd go to an inner city. Right? They don't understand. They don't get that. So there's going to be people who feel that way. And so dads and moms, right? We, we wear lots of hats, right? One day you're a parent. One day you're a counselor. The next day you're the referee, right? Some days you're a taxi. One day you're the coach. And uh, then the next day you're the punisher. So you, we wear a lot of hats, right, as parents. We, we get that. We know what that's like. Verse 29 is the heart of unacceptance. Here it goes. Check this out. Not everyone's going to be happy when you return. Verse 29, but he answered his father. So the dad goes out and pleads with him, tries to explain to him why we have to celebrate. And the the brother answers his father and he says, look. (laughs) Whoa, do you see this in the text? Look, he says, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Never disobeyed your orders. Right? You never gave me the, even a young goat so that I can celebrate with my friends. Look, here's a picture of the son. There's the son just pointing at his father, right? Like, look here, dad. Right? Like that bony little finger pointing at his dad who's provided everything he's got. Right? How often are we like that? We're that brother. Right? Instead of getting happy for people and supporting what they're trying to do, We're pointing at dad saying, how dare you, dad? How dare you? And he points that finger, you know, and and, and this word look, he says look. Some of your translations might say the word low or listen or behold, right? Today we might say yo pops or check this out, you know, in our own little lingo. And his gripe is this, all these years, you know, I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders. I've been the good kid, right? You've heard about the bad wife? This is a good son, right? I've been working like a dog for you, Dad. You've never given me a party. Where's my reward, right? You never gave me even a goat I can go party with my friends with. Verse 30, but when this son of yours, Dad, right, You might even include, we would probably, I would probably, this loser son of yours who squandered everything, all your property with prostitutes. He comes home and what do you do? You go kill the fatted calf. What do I have to do, Dad? What do I have to do? You know, what do I got to do to get what I got coming, right? That's the attitude. The prodigal boy gets the fatted calf. I don't even get a kid goat. And we see in this Brother, man, this big attitude, right? Huge attitude, right? Your kids might have this attitude sometimes, right? People get this attitude sometimes, right? The sense of, I want what I got coming to me kind of thing. And you got to ask yourself, is he right? Is this kid right to feel this way? Does he have a point? You might argue that he has a point. Kind of does, right? You know, you might, you might say... You know, aren't our feelings, uh, you know, aren't the way I feel, isn't the way he feels kind of real accurate and true here? Are our feelings something we should, like, bank on and depend on as accurate? Is his view healthy, or is his view very short-sighted? All right, the good questions about this brother who points his finger at his dad and says, look. 
And some would say that, that the two brothers represent like two attitudes, right? One, the attitude of, uh, of uh, works and religion, right? The, the older boy who says, I've earned, I deserve, look at what I've done, I deserve your grace. And the other one who comes crawling back saying, God, I'm a loser, I need you. You know, one, one, the attitude of religion, maybe the other, the attitude of, of grace and how much we need grace and that we're all, we're all like him, needing to come back and just ask God. Which brings us to the next thought. So the first thought is this, not everyone's going to be happy when you return. Not everyone's going to throw a party for you. Some people are going to get mad at something about you coming back. Maybe the way you smell. Maybe your clothing. He came back. You're going to let him in the house, right? We get hung up on the physical things, <laughs> right? So there's a lot of reasons why some people aren't happy when you come back. But, but the next thought is this, verse 31, my son, my son. This is the father now talking to the older brother who is now the spoiled brat. You are always with me, right? So, so you're always with me. Remember, older son, that you are a part of my family. You are, I am your father and you are my child. There's nothing more important than that right there, right? We all know how important family is to us and to everyone on the planet. That family is greater than money. Family is greater than stuff. If you've got people, you're rich. How sorry for the rich people who have no one, Right? And we see that all over the world, right? Rich people who have no friends, no family nearby, nobody. They die rich all by themselves. How, what, a, what a sorry way to go. Better to die with a lot of friends and nothing in your pocket than with loaded pockets and no friends. This father says, all I have is yours. And when you grow up one day, <laughs> you know, when you mature a little more, son, right? Because this is a test. Your brothers come home and you're getting a D minus so far. You're not doing too well here, kid, on the test. Verse 32, but we, right, with or without you, older son who's grumbling over there in the back, with or without you, we had to celebrate and we had to be glad, verse 32 says, because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Eternity is at stake here, son, not stuff. And the father gets that. He sees that. He understands that. And son, maybe one day you will, you will make that shift from the things that are physical around the church and in your life and around God, and you'll shift it over to the things that are most important, which are the spiritual things. But son, you haven't made the shift yet. In fact, you're hung up on your stuff, which is a good indication that you're a long way off from making the shift got to make that shift to what's really important in the end. So this is a mature, spiritual-minded father, right? So many times we get hung up on the lesser things, but the second point is this. The spiritual mind sees the big picture, right? The spiritual mind sees what's most important here. Like, when you return, when people return, some people are not going to be happy with that. But the, the more important truth is this, that the spiritual mind sees the big picture. And that's what we want to be, spiritual-minded. See the big picture. Not get hung up on the stuff. Not get hung up on the physicals. 
but get hung up on the spiritual, like somebody giving their heart to Christ. That's a good thing. Yeah? Right. doesn't matter what they're wearing. Paul writing to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look what he says here. Uh, Paul, in verse 6, if, if you want to flip there, we're going to spend a minute here. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, and in verse 6, he's, he's talking about, you know, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. He's talking about two different kinds of wisdom. One's physical, one's spiritual. And we just said that the spiritual mind sees the big picture. And that's what we want to develop in our hearts, is this spiritual mind. And if you're not coming on Wednesday nights, you're going to want to come. Because okay, on Wednesday nights, we're talking about how the Holy Spirit helps us in this, right? We're studying about the work and the person of the Holy Spirit in our life as believers. We need this. This is teaching from God's Word that we've got to soak into our hearts so that, so that we know how God wants to work in our life and we can be free to let the Spirit of God work in our life in a way that is healthy, and right, not way over there on the right and not way over there on the left, but where we need to be with God. Okay, so he's talking about these two wisdoms. We come to verse 10. Look what he says. For God has revealed to them, or God has revealed them to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of who? God. Verse 12. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual truth realities with Spirit-taught Words. That's a mouthful. That has a lot to do with God at work in us. His Spirit moving and working in us, and us learning as human beings to live by the Spirit. Not be afraid of the Spirit, but to walk in step with the Spirit. Right? And, and to do our best to help each other walk in step with the Spirit. Not where the Spirit has been, but where the Spirit is going as God is living in us, in the world, right? We got tomorrow, you're going to wake up, you got a new day, never been here. The Spirit wants to lead you tomorrow. He wants to lead you the rest of this day. He wants to lead you the rest of your life. We have to be in step with the Spirit, right? And that's what Paul is talking to about the Corinthians. He points out a few things here about a spiritual mind. Number one, he points out this. A spiritual mind has the Holy Spirit of God in them. That's important, that the Holy Spirit of God is living in you. Secondly, he says that the Holy Spirit is not of this world. So there is a spirit of the world that lives in most people, but not those who have surrendered to Christ. Number three, the Holy Spirit speaks his own spiritual language to our spirit in us, the spirit of God that he put in us. And this person without the spirit does not understand what God is up to. The spirit-minded person, number five, has, he says, the mind of Christ, if you're looking at those verses, living in him. The mind of Christ is alive in you. The Spirit of God is alive in you. And number six, together with the Holy Spirit, we will know, he says, all that God has for us. This father, <laughs> this father understands the big picture. He's not going to get hung up on the little things. 
You know, if you coach, if you coach anything, you're raising your kids, there's all kinds of things that you could spend your time on. But what you do, or you play an instrument, you focus on the things that are most important. Okay, you can't get hung up on every little thing. Right? You just can't. You'll spin your wheels forever. You've got to focus on the things that are most important, that things are being done correctly. Sure, the kid might throw the ball over the first baseman's head out of the stadium, but that's because his mechanics were off. So we're going to focus on the mechanics, not where the ball ended up. We get the mechanics right, the ball will go to the right spot. So we focus on the things that are important. And that's what the Spirit does in our life. He helps us focus on the things that are important. Otherwise, we are walking in the flesh and we are following everything that's going on in the world and we're so distracted by all of it. We get pulled apart in all different directions. Little things that don't matter grab hold of our attention and consume us. But this father understands what's important. Romans 8 says this. Paul's talking about the spirit-minded living. In verse 5 he says, People who are ruled by their desires think only of themselves. Everyone who is ruled by the Holy Spirit thinks about spiritual things. In Ephesians 5, Paul writes and he says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God, the Father, for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about focusing our mind, having a big picture, and letting the Holy Spirit lead us. you got to come on Wednesday nights if you're not coming. Okay, grow with us on Wednesday nights. So what happens when you return? What happens when you return? You run into all kinds of reactions, right? People are going to come up with all kinds of things. Why you should, why you shouldn't, why you should have never, why you should go that way, why you should go this way. Hey, the brother won't accept his lost brother because he is carnal-minded and he only sees the stuff around him. Look what I've done. I've been the good son. I've worked hard. Where's my reward? Where's my stuff? He's stuck on the stuff. Right? His vision is limited to his blinded and, and is blinded to the truth. Right? And that's going to happen. It's going to happen in life because people are at different places spiritually in their walk. Right? They're in different places in their life. And so people are going to react to whatever it is you're doing differently. The good news is that you will run also into the arms of the Father of love. Okay? That's the most important person you are here to please is the Father of love. And not only does he love you, but he like accepts you too. Like you're okay with him. And that's not true about everybody, right? <laughs> I was sitting in Starbucks and these group of these kids came in, the teenage kids, you know, and you know how teenagers are, they're crazy. And I'm sitting at this big round table, and they're all at the wall, like at the window looking out the back of Starbucks. And they, I swear, if they had cards in their hand, they would, like, everyone who walked up to the door, they would be, like, going like this, like, holding up cards, like, look at that guy, look at his pants, look at that girl, look at this. And they're just going off. And everyone, I was just kind of laughing. And then I wanted to turn around and say, man, you guys are just hilarious. And just, like, like help them realize, man, they're just sitting there, like, judging everybody who walks in the door. But that's what we do. We look at people and we look at what they're wearing and we've got our own idea of what they should wear. 
right? We, we, we got our idea of what people should do and how they should act and what, how they should be. It doesn't matter. All that matters is that God accepts you. Okay, that's what you keep your mind on. That's what you get your mind back on when it gets pulled away, is that God, the Father who matters the most, loves me. And he accepts me. He accepts me because he is the God of love. He sees the big picture. He sees eternity. He sees salvation. He sees forgiveness. And he has that all waiting for you, right? So my encouragement to you today is is run. Don't walk. Run into the arms of the Father who loves you and accepts you. Wherever you are in your walk with God. If you're the person, if you're the brother that pointing fingers all the time, you didn't do this right, you didn't do that right, why don't we do this? If you're that person, stop. Come to your senses. Give your heart to Christ. Come running to the God who loves you. Get your heart and your mind wrapped on him. And all those other things will just fade away. They won't matter. They truly will not matter much. Until somebody brings it up and you have to deal with it, then you push it away again. But you get your heart and your mind on the one who matters the most.